Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. It's a joy to welcome you today to the Beeson Podcast. I have the pleasure of interviewing on this podcast a dear friend of many years, one of the great leaders in Christian higher education in our country today, President David S. Dockery, the president of Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Dr. Dockery, welcome to the Beeson Podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. George. It's a privilege to be with you today on your campus. Thank you so much. Now, um, many people may not know that you actually have some pretty deep Alabama roots. Tell us a little bit about yes, that. I was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, moved to Birmingham when I was a, about a year old, and grew up on the western side of uh, Birmingham. I uh, was a, a part of Hunter Street Baptist Church during my early years. Uh, my family moved to First Baptist Church uh, when it was downtown uh, during my the time I was in the youth group and mm-hmm. the youth choir and all of those uh, kind of things. But I participated in all of the uh, activities of a of, of a Baptist family from sunbeams to RAs to now you got to tell drill what is a sunbeam. Not everybody knows sunbeams. <laughs> sunbeam was when they uh, learned first lessons about missionaries. Yeah. And we learned a little bit about Lottie Moon and yeah. uh, Annie Armstrong and Bill Wallace of China. And yeah. we would learn to sing songs to our friends across the seas. So you are a, a deep water Southern Baptist. A deep water Alabama Southern Alabama Baptist. Southern Baptist. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there's one more thing about Alabama I want to get on the table here. Uh, you have some connection to the great legendary coach of the University of Alabama. Is, is that really true? I uh, went to the University of Alabama in the early 70s and worked my way through college by working in the athletic department. Uh I was a student assistant, primarily with the basketball team, working with Coach C.M. Newton, but I also worked with football and with Coach Paul Bryant and in the uh, sports information department with Charlie Thornton and Kirk McNair. And, you know, Coach Bryant actually knew my name, so that was something special, and I had the privilege to be with him on several uh, occasions, uh, quite quite a legendary leader, and uh, some great days for the Crimson Tide uh, during yeah. those years. Won a national championship, and um, it was it was a well, good time. When I hear you talk about this, it sort of sounds like uh, I'm listening into the second century, and these great church leaders like Irenaeus, who was a, who was a student of Polycarp, who knew the Apostle John, who actually <laughs> walked with Jesus. Are you telling me? Uh, no. Coach Bryant could walk on water? No, sir. Uh, there, there were people who thought so, but uh, I think he was quite quite a human with uh, some, some pretty uh, challenging uh, aspects of his life. But he was an incredible football coach. Well, I know you still root for Alabama wherever you are in the world. Roll, tide, roll. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself and your, your Alabama roots. Now, I... You are the president of Union University. Uh, tell us a little bit about that university. You've been there 15 years. 15 years, yes. And describe something about your uh, approach and what, what's happening at Union University. Yeah, well, Union University is a very special place. It's actually the uh, oldest uh, college uh, in the country that's still relating to uh, Baptist life, founded in 1823. Mm. Uh, so we have a long history and heritage. Uh, for almost the entire 19th century, uh, focused as a local uh, institution, 
uh, serving uh, the Tennessee air area. Uh, moving uh, out of that some in the middle of the 20th century and then moved to a new campus uh, in 1975, much the same way as Howard College moved to this campus in the 1950s um, and moved to a new campus and really started all over again in 19. 19- uh, 75 and so it's but it's a wonderful place now uh enrollment of about 4200 mm. uh from 45 states 30 different countries uh outstanding academics uh, ranked among the top 15 uh, private institutions ac- across the south um we're thankful for a great faculty who invest in the lives of students and who are committed to a christ-centered mission uh, seeking to uh, advance Christ-centered higher education in service to church and society. Now, a few years ago, we, we some of us remember there was this terrible storm, a tornado that ripped through uh, West Tennessee and took away much of your campus. And uh, talk a little bit about what it was like, because you were seen on CNN and all over the country trying to hold things together in the midst of that terrible event. And what was that like and what's happened since then? Yes, the most uh, incredible thing that I've ever experienced in terms of uh, just feeling overwhelmed uh, at the moment. Uh, February the 5th, 2008, 7.02 p.m., an EF4 tornado with winds of about 240 miles per hour came roaring through our uh, campus with a frontal assault uh, on the residential life uh, area. It hit eight academic buildings. It did damage to several buildings, particularly our uh, music and broadcast uh, studios, which had to be completely rebuilt. But we lost 16 residential life uh, facilities just down to pencil shavings. Um, we took 53 students to the hospital uh, that night, uh, nine who were seriously injured, three who had long-term recoveries. But by the grace of God, uh, no lives were lost. Mm. And uh, we, we give thanks for that. Um, this spring, May of 2011, as hard as it is to believe, you know, three years later, students who were freshmen uh, on that night will graduate from Union University, and it'll be the last class that actually knew and experienced uh, the tornado. But it did about $45 million worth of damage uh, to our campus in just seconds. Um, it, we had some scary moments. Thirteen students were trapped under a fallen building. And it took us about five and a half hours to get them out from under the rubble. Mm. And it was a very delicate operation. You couldn't just bring a backhoe and move everything. It was like picking up pixie sticks because yeah. if you moved the wrong one, the others would fall and it would have crushed them. And so we very delicately had to had to do so. I was on campus for about – I was on campus when the tornado hit and stayed on campus for about two hours until the fire chief and the emergency management association took control of the campus and moved me to a command center downtown where I could talk to them, to all of our vice presidents, and to the hospital at the same time where they were taking our students and to make decisions as we were coordinating everything. Then, as you said, we did a an interview with CNN at 10 o'clock that night, and then by 7 o'clock the next morning we had done Good Morning America, the Today Show, uh, CBS, Fox and Friends, uh, National Press Conference on MSNBC, and three rounds again on CNN. It was yeah. it was um, an amazing thing, but by the grace of God, and that's the only way to describe it, in His providence, we're now we never want to go through it again over the last three years. But our campus is stronger, better. 
our students, uh, you know, we, we understand that the Lord has given us a new opportunity, and we're focused on that. Those who graduate tell the generations following about God's providence and how he has uh, sustained us. And so we, we're, we're, we say thank you to God very often. And we say thank you to Beeson Divinity School and Sanford University and many people across the state who helped us during that time, about 8,000 donors. Uh, helped us bridge the gap between what the insurance covered and 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 our needs. About forty five hundred people came as volunteers uh, to help us, and it, it was just it was a great uh, outpouring, an outpouring of love, of love to yeah. Union University that we yeah. will never ever get over. And now, um, when you visit Union University, uh, out of the rubbles of this uh, tragic event, even though no one was killed, it was certainly a a uh, remarkable thing that happened, and now you see a almost a completely new campus that's just emerged uh, with great uh, beauty and significance. Say yeah. just a word about that. Yeah, the campus has been uh, at least uh, over a third of the campus is brand new, and most of the rest of the campus has been renovated or repaired. So it does look uh, new. It's 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 a beautiful uh, campus now. We're thankful, beautiful Georgian architecture. Not. Unlike what you find on, on this campus, uh, though it's in the Tennessee flatlands, not on uh, Birmingham Hill, and but it, it's it, we we have a tremendous science facilities, brand new residential life facilities uh, uh, for our students that are built very strong and safe with safe rooms in each uh, first floor uh, room, uh, so that uh, every student will have a place to go should something like that ever happen again for which we pray uh, will never be be the case uh, but, but the campus has been completely um, rebuilt and we're we're excited about uh, the future for Union University now Beeson Divinity School and Union have had a special relationship in the sense uh, that we've received many wonderful students from Union University over the years scores of students that have come to us very well trained for what we have to offer very bright very engaged very committed now, you've been there 15 years as president of Union University, and I, I wonder if you would reflect back on the past decade and a half in terms of the kind of students that you are training. What are the issues that concern students that come to Union University today, and what changes have you mm-hmm. seen in 15 years? Yeah, well, first of all, let me say thank you for uh, taking our students and preparing them for service uh, to church society for the mission field uh, to make a, a difference for the cause of Christ and his kingdom. Um, the Union Peace and Partnership is a good one, and we're thankful uh, for it, and we hope to see more and more students continue to come to Beeson in years to come. But the, the students on our campus now, I think, are a bit different than even 15 years ago. Um, it's hard, hard to realize that uh, the students who, who will be uh, – seniors on our campus next year would have been in kindergarten when i first came to mm. to union so it doesn't it's it, you know life changes very very rapidly but here's what i would say very positively about our students i have never seen a student generation so zealously committed uh, to christ uh, to the ch- to the church to missions mm. to serving to the gospel very gospel centered people and that's extremely exciting they want to see a difference uh, made in the world. Uh, they understand the difference between uh, genuine, authentic Christianity and some kind of basic civic, civil religion. 
um, they don't want any part of that. They want their lives to count, mm. and they're they're very zealous for the things of God. Uh, they long for authentic community. They want to have binding relationships, and sometimes those relationships happen face to face, and sometimes they happen uh, through technology mm-hmm. on Facebook, Facebook and <laughs> yeah. texting, and you know other types of communication that are really radically different than what we would have experienced. 15 years ago. They have access to, to the Internet, and so their access to knowledge is very, very broad. Uh, but their ability to reflect deeply uh, is, is minimal mm. uh, because they are so active and have uh, so much access to, to, to so many things. They think globally, mm-hmm. and uh, they are aware of global trends uh, in the world economically, politically, and relating to the Christian a church and give they give thanks to God for what the Lord is doing in the southern um, hemisphere, and I and I'd say the last thing that's very positive about them is they do not uh, segment uh, the gospel and service. Though they want to proclaim Jesus and feed the hungry, they want to proclaim Jesus and find uh, homes for the homeless. They want to proclaim Jesus and care for the creation. They want to proclaim Jesus and uh, adopt the orphans, mm-hmm. um, both the, and not either and, or. Yeah, and so yeah. so they're, they're deeply committed to Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel and the social implications, the horizontal implications of that. And one of the things I think that uh, I'm impressed when I think about Union and schools like uh, Union is the way in which the Christian worldview is promoted, and not simply in Bible or religion as one little segmented part of the university, but as a part of a total approach to life and learning and growth together in Christ. I wonder if you'd say a little bit about your philosophy of uh, Christian worldview in terms of how that relates uh, to a university. Yeah, I think it's at the heart of our mission. Um, we understand that all knowledge, all truth, finds its source in God. Uh, and because of that, there are interdisciplinary connections across our campus. So we don't have to do things in isolation. Certainly have scholars who are specialists in their fields, but they want to connect uh, their slice of knowledge with what's happening in other parts of the uh, campus, the other parts of the curriculum, and they do that not so much through interdisciplinary studies, uh, as important as that might be, uh, but they do so by recognizing there are connections uh, because all knowledge has its source in God, and therefore we can make uh, interdisciplinary uh, connections of our thought. We can learn to think about the world from the vantage point that God is our creator and especially in the arts or in music. We uh, receive the gift of God's uh, beauty uh, in in that area. When we study sociology or psychology or the the social sciences, we ask what's going wrong in the world and and why are things the way they are. And, of course, a Christian worldview says not only did God create things, but the world has fallen. Men and women have sinned. And the implications of sin not only have affected our relationship with God but our relationship with one another and with uh, creation with ourselves it's the reason we're conflicted people many many times um, but the good news is that it doesn't stop there mm. is that in the plan of God he sent uh, Jesus Christ uh, into the world to uh, restore 
uh, creation, to redeem uh, creation. And so there's a providential plan for, for all things. And so this creation, fall, redemption model uh, helps us think about every subject across the, the, the curriculum in the sciences, in the social sciences, in healthcare, in business, in education. Uh, and, and all of it is seeking to bring glory to God, uh, to connect to Jesus Christ as the one who has spoken creation into being, who holds all things together by the power of his word, and to whom all things are moving to a providential destiny uh, for his glory. Now, over the years, you and I have had the privilege of working together on a number of different projects, uh, leading tours uh, together throughout the world. But I wanted to talk about some of our book projects because I think that might be of interest to our listeners. Uh, One of the first, maybe the first thing we did together was a book called Baptist Theologians. Mm -hmm. As I remember, the idea for that came from a cemetery. Cemetery walk, yes. Where you and I were walking together through Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky. The summer of 1987. That's when it was. And and there we saw some of the great figures of particularly the, the Baptist past. Uh, who are lie buried there, uh, attached to the the Baptist Seminary in Louisville, where I then taught, and you were, I think, a visiting professor, and later became the dean of the faculty. Well, anyway, out of that cemetery walk, the idea of a book called Baptist Theologians uh, emerged, and we were able to put together uh, quite a large collection of essays, really first-rate essays, on some of the great figures of the Baptist past. Right. Uh, what do you remember about that book and its impact? Well, I, I certainly remember that walk, you know, and, and so as we th- thought about the influence of of the people who were buried in that uh, cemetery, E.Y. Mullins and A.T. Robertson and John Broadus and some of the great Baptist leaders, not only for uh, Southern Baptist Seminary and not just for the Southern Baptist Convention, but for the Baptist World Alliance and Baptists around mm-hmm. the world. Uh, in, incredible Baptist leaders, statesmen, theologians, uh, and we were able to reflect upon uh, their lives, their influence, to uh, share their biographies with uh, a new generation of students, many of whom had lost touch uh, with these uh, Baptist shapers, to understand uh, the connectedness, the, the continuity between Baptist thought from the 17th century to the 20th century to understand where there had been aberrations, uh, what we could learn to try to bring back a sense of consensus, uh, focusing on uh, Baptist uh, directions for the 21st century. Uh, and so, so I, I think that volume in 1990 was um, very well received, and uh, m- people to this day uh, still stop me to, and tell me what an influence it was and how much they learned about the, those people who had shaped uh, Baptist life over 400 years. And it came out later in a, a shorter uh, edition called? Uh, about a decade later, we uh, released it for a second time called Theologians of the Baptist Tradition. Theologians of the Baptist Traditions. Mm-hmm. And tradition, one, one, one word, one tradition. Word, tradition, <laughs> yes. Singular. And uh, is that still in print? It is still in print. I thought so. Uh-huh. So any of our listeners that want to see some of the fruit of those labors, uh, you can check out Theologians of the Baptist Tradition. And if you go on Amazon.com or one of these uh, hard-to-find book searches, you might even find the original edition of Baptist, Baptist Theologians. Theologians. Yes, right. Well, more recently, uh, we were involved in another project um, related more specifically to the Southern Baptist Convention, some of the recent trends that have happened, uh, a book called Building Bridges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Say a little bit about that book and how it came to be and what we were trying to do there. 
Yes, in 2007, uh, the Union University uh, community hosted uh, a conference called Baptist Identity Two. We had hosted Baptist Identity One in 2004. In 2007, we had speakers from various sectors of Baptist life coming together to find out what we had in common, where we had differences, and how we could perhaps move beyond those uh, differences. And uh, your address was so wonderfully uh, well-received that uh, at that time the uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee approached me and said, can you take your address and Dr. George's address and put them together and uh, let's see if we can publish those separately in a little booklet to be distributed at the Southern Baptist Convention. I said, I think we can do that. I said, Tom Rayner, who is now the president of Lifeway, at that time the dean of the Billy Graham School, I I think, at Southern Seminary or had just gone to Lifeway, um, had had given a paper also at that conference and in that term had used the phrase, he wanted to be a bridge builder. Mm-hmm. So we asked Tom if we could borrow that phrase, and he wrote a little forward for our book. And uh, then Mr. Colson put his imprimatur upon it. And so we had actually four contributors to a little volume, but that was 90% written by the, the two of us. But it, it was used, I think, to break down some barriers, to help people understand that we can talk through differences, to, to find a common core, and at the same time build uh, bridges uh, around or beyond or through over our, our differences and uh, moving toward uh, a volume that came up shortly thereafter called Southern Baptist Consensus and Renewal uh, was a step toward helping to, to move us uh, in, in a more common direction. And some of those uh, talks that were in that little book, uh, Building this, were, was, were later included in this publication. Yes, in, in, in another volume another book, yeah. called, that was called Southern Baptist Identity. Uh, an evangelical denomination faces the future. Yeah. Uh, Crossway published in 2009, and it has been extremely well received and well uh, circulated, and I, I think has done some good uh, in, in Baptist life. Now, you, you've talked a little bit today on this interview about your own Baptist roots uh, here in Alabama, a Sunbeam, all that Sunday school, <laughs> um, but uh, then you. Taught at a Baptist theological school and was a dean and now president of a Baptist uh, university. Uh, reflect just a little bit about the Southern Baptist Convention. It's it's the largest Protestant denomination in America. Uh, we can't find half the people we say belong on any given Sunday morning, uh, but we have over 16 million members on the books, uh, over 40,000 churches. Uh, it's it's clearly a a movement that has had in its history a tremendous impact for the sake of Christ and the sake of the gospel, gone through controversy and schism and tussles here and there. But as you as a person who's deeply rooted in this denomination, look at the uh, SBC today, where it's been, where it's going. uh, What do you see? Uh, I I see a a convention that's going through some, some challenging times. Uh, It's a a convention that um, is influenced by the fact that it no longer is a southern, homogeneous uh, group of churches, but now is a national convention, the most multi-ethnic and multi-racial denomination in the United States. 
Um, it's it's a, a denomination that uh, grew rapidly during the middle part of the 20th century, but now that's come to a screeching halt. It's plateaued, perhaps even uh, declining. It is a convention that has various groups that uh, can't seem to get along sometimes. Um, I've used the term that we're a balkanized um, convention, that uh, we have various groups with, within this large body, which may be all we can expect of a group that's now so big. I mean, even if it's half the size, 8 million people, is mm. that, that's huge, and it's still over 40,000 churches, which mm-hmm. uh, while we're the second largest uh, denomination in the country and the largest non-Catholic group, we have more churches, I think, than any denomination, even more Baptist churches than there are Roman Catholic uh, congregations across the United States. So there's a lot of people, a lot of different kind of things to try to hold together, rural, urban, suburban, small, large, uh, southern, non-southern. And so it's, it's, a, it's a, a very diverse uh, group. And we face uh, doctrinal challenges. But here's the good thing. This past year in Orlando, 2010, the Southern Baptist Convention adopted a plan to move the convention forward, trying to find some consensus around the Great Commission, taking the good news of the gospel uh, to the nations and addressing uh, the lostness in the world, a a document that was overwhelmingly uh, received by the convention and I think particularly provided hopeful signs for pastors and leaders uh, 40 and under in our convention. Yeah, it is a good good news uh, to look forward to what God can do in this in this particular moment in our history. Uh, you know, Baptists are evangelicals. I think you and I would agree on that. If not, everybody would agree with us. I think I think it's true. And what is our role in terms of making a contribution to the wider evangelical community of which we are a part? Yes, well, you know one of the one of the really good things about the uh, great. Commission Resurgence document is that it adopted eight core values. It's the first time in Southern Baptist history that we have adopted core values for a convention. And the eighth core value is for Southern Baptists to be kingdom people. Mm. It's the first time we've ever said that, that we will relate beyond our denominational identity and relate constructively, uh, holding hands with people who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and work together for uh, the good of the kingdom, to be kingdom people. And so we need to be a kingdom a people, not just Baptist uh, people, and, and uh, hold hands together to to advance uh, the gospel, uh, to work together, to address uh, social issues, to stand firmly on on ethical issues, to be leaders, and to bring the influence that Southern Baptists have to bear upon the broader evangelical world, and particularly the wonderful things Southern Baptists have done in international missions is more important than ever as we begin to think about a global evangelicalism and a global Christianity. If, if you were to uh, identify just one verse that summarized the gospel, the one I would choose, I think, is John one fourteen. Hmm. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of grace, grace. and truth. Grace. And those are two fantastic words, aren't they? Grace and truth. So much of the Bible seems to flow through those two great words. Mm. But I think there's always a danger in Christian life of getting out of balance on that, emphasizing truth at the expense of grace, and so we become kind of a a dead orthodoxy, or emphasizing the opposite, emphasizing grace at the expense of truth, we become kind of syrupy sentimentalists. Lose our theological compass. So uh, one one of the... 
unique opportunities we have as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, and really as evangelical Christians today, is to try to forge a kind of Christian life and walk in the world that includes Christian worldview thinking that brings together grace and truth. Would you just give us a few uh, concluding remarks about that? Yeah, I think that we need to we need to pray for God to bring renewal in these areas. Uh, we need commitments to truth, truth that has been revealed ultimately in Jesus Christ and made known to us today in Holy Scripture. And so we believe in the authority and the infallible uh, nature of, of Holy Scripture, its sufficiency to speak uh, not only to matters related to the gospel but to issues of life. And we need to to to, to find ways to regain that conviction and that uh, commitment. Uh, commitment to truth that says that that God has revealed himself uh, not only in Jesus Christ but also in nature and in the world and therefore as we explore all aspects of life whether it be in Christian higher education or in our, our daily walk we find uh, fingerprints of God uh, there that God has, has made himself known and th- those things reveal a God who is true uh, so we want to commit ourselves to truth in his word, truth that's revealed uh, in his creation, and truth that ultimately is found uh, in Jesus Christ. We come to the knowledge of that truth by his grace, and we live out that truth enabled by his grace, and we relate to one another in a gracious manner, manifesting uh, the application of that grace to others. So we want to be people who work toward the unity of the church, uh, to, to uh, encouraging people to, to live out the marks of Christ on their life so that they love one another. Jesus said that by the way we love one another would be the way people would know that we actually loved him. And so I think we need to pray that God would bring renewal to our core, to our central theological commitments to truth, but at the same time pray that we would be gracious in the way we relate to one another so that there is a manifestation of oneness and unity. You know, the last thing we find of the words of Jesus before the cross is John 17, and those things show up again, those same themes of truth and grace, oneness and unity in, in that marvelous prayer in John 17. So from John 1.14, when Jesus is introduced to us in his incarnation coming to this world, to his last words before the cross, those same themes play themselves out. That should be something we should hear, and therefore should be primary themes for us as well. So with that great text from John 1.14, we add the words of Jesus in John 17 as he prayed, O Heavenly Father, may they, his disciples, may they be one as you and I are one so that the world might believe. Well, my guest today on the Beeson Podcast has been Dr. David S. Dockery, the president of Union University. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Oh, it's been a privilege and a joy to be with you, Dean George. Thank you. Blessings to you on the work at Peace and Divinity School. And now here with a special announcement is our Beeson Director of Admissions, Sherry Brown. I want to invite everyone that is interested in Beeson Divinity School to our preview day. The preview day for this fall is Friday, September the 16th. It's a day-long opportunity for you to learn more information about Beeson than you might be reading on the website, but also an opportunity to attend a class, to meet with current students over lunch. We also give tours that day. We also give you opportunities to meet with faculty. 
Most importantly, if you have not yet completed your application interview, that's a great time to do that as well and just to have an opportunity to spend the whole day with our staff, faculty, and students. You can register online at our website, which is www.beesondivinity.com. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.